Orem's armies marched upon the world. People from all over, different planets, different realms, joined the fight to stop the corrupted from taking the forgotten realms. Gods, demons, celestials, all joined forces, hoping to stop the spread of the Far Realms, but it was too much, it was too strong. And now our heroes, our brave five heroes are barely holding the line. Join us at BaldaTheSevenDice.com so that this tale will not be forgotten. So we will know how to hold back the creatures of the Far Realms before it's too late. <laughs> Need a new gay found family podcast? We're queer led actual D&D play. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> We're a queer-led actual play D&T podcast of four best friends who are currently playing... Hold on. We're a bunch of queers playing D&D for a podcast. We're lifelong friends. We have space travel, magic technology, heist, horses, and a really gooey goblin. I'm stealing all of your stuff. I'm just going to say this entire ad. <laughs> we have great bonus content with the first episode of each arc available for free <laughs> in the entirety of the first arc the bone rattlers uh, yeah each arc <laughs> is set in a excuse me each art is set in a in universe history podcast about each planet in the planetary system there's more than one we have a bunch of episodes available for binging and wonderful characters to fall in love with and hate <laughs> Including some jank horses. <laughs> we have multiple arcs out that follow the story of Val, a trite. <laughs> Ten. Okay. Val the Triton, an interplanetary criminal and MLG gamer. Uh, horse rider extraordinaire. Xerxes, a murderous demon that likes to wear dad hats. And sometimes uh, rides Dogs. a night horse. horse. Patches, a part-time old lady, full-time ooey-gooey cyborg goblin, and her trusty rusty steed, Horus. And Adam, the small boy technomancer, and their journey as they grow and discover uh, the truth to their pasts. I was going to be mad because I didn't do a character voice, and then I was like, no, <laughs> I did. Magic, Magic dagger, dagger, if, if the, the true treasure, treasure isn't friendship, friendship I'm, I'm going to be mad. mad. I'm going to be mad. If treasure true, friendship bad? <laughs> hey, it's Dennis, editor and GM of Control Group. Let's give it up for our ads. And let's throw in one of our own. And I know what you must be thinking. Dennis, I'm already listening to the episode. Aren't I doing enough? And truly you are. But if you wanted to go the extra step, why not follow us on Twitter? At CTRL Group Pod. There we post a lot of information, character portraits, and little promos to the episode so you can get a cute little sneak peek to get you excited before you listen. You can also go ahead and jump onto the Be Gay Roll Dice Discord server. There we have our own little special place where you can come and talk to us about episodes and episode ideas and systems. Do you have a system you want us to test? Go over to our Patreon. We have a special $5 dev tier where... 
Once you pledge to that, we'll go ahead to take a look at your system, give you a nice little preview, and then somewhere down the line, we're gonna go ahead and give your system a try. And if you don't have a system to test, you can also join our Patreon for as low as a dollar. There, you can go ahead and get access to special tests that we put behind a paywall, because they're probably too stupid to go on the main feed. Also, it's tried and true, but smash that like and subscribe button below. If you're on Apple Podcasts, give us a review. If you're on Spotify, give us five stars, or however many you think is appropriate. Anyway, if you have the spoons to do this, go ahead. We really appreciate the support. We want to thank you, nevertheless, just for listening to our podcast. Enjoy the episode. Variables. Thank you all so much for listening to our season, Gardens of Glass, and for joining us where we review the system we played, Petticoats and Proposals by Sarah Williams. I am Sarah. I have been your GM for this season, and with me I have some players and the characters they played. Hey, welcome. I'm Marcus, and I played Rosalina Cunningham. I'm Nick, and I played Baxter Saintilus. My name is Dennis, and I played Henri de Masai. This was a system that I made and brought to you guys for testing. It was a lot of fun to run for all of you, and I'm excited to know what you all think. You know, it's not a usual thing that we take systems from our own cast members, you know? It's not something <laughs> that often, so I'm really glad It's, it's that not like that's how I got involved with you guys <laughs> or anything. You were able to cut through all of the red tape and, and make a long it up time coming, No, though. we were super excited. It wasn't just some random shit we, you know, made in, like, an afternoon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sarah, worked on, Sarah worked very hard. I mean, we all worked very hard <laughs> individual, individual systems, but... Uh, Sarah was working on this for what? Like a year? Since since Compass Rose. Compass Rose got Compass Rose gave me yeah, the idea yeah, to give waiting, my own system a try. I'm still waiting. I'm excited for it. <laughs> what? <laughs> 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 Marcus is actually a time traveler and they need to go back into the past to actually they play the game. The last yeah, it's my movie. Back <laughs> to the past. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. How hard did you party on New Year's Eve again? What day is it? The fourth? I've lost four days. <laughs> I gotta go back to the past. <laughs> why are we dating this episode so high? Yeah, Please I was gonna say, don't. why are we why are we dating this episode? <laughs> like dating episode. <laughs> what is it? The the 21st? Of, of February? <laughs> I mean, maybe you should go into like what, why? why you wanted to make the yeah. system, Sarah? Why, yeah. why did I want to make a system inspired by the works of Jane Austen? Well, um, I've kind of always just been a huge fan of Jane Austen and kind of period romances in general. I, I attempted to watch some Bridgerton for some research. Unfortunately, I did not finish it. That's fair. Was it because of all the sex or like? I think so. <laughs> Or just like crazy. Maybe not want to finish. <laughs> I've heard it's not like historically accurate at all, but it's not something that I ever would notice or care about. <laughs> but like I know that that does matter to other people. It's not your not your your grandma's P 
period romance. But the <laughs> yeah, queen no, was no, black. It starts off that way. Was black. And then, like, after they hold hands, it's just immediate fucking for the rest of the season. Well, and also the primary reason was I was also just incredibly busy. <laughs> well, that's the style of show now. So, like, I get it. If there's that much sex. The problem is the other shows show that to you in, like, the first episode. This, yeah, there's yeah. none until, yeah. like, episode six. And then the rest of the season is just constant. It's crazy. Like, I also just got really, really busy and no longer had time to keep watching after episode two. Enough about Bridgerton. Enough about Bridgerton. Uh, We're not here to review Bridgerton. We're here to review the game I made. So I decided to do kind of a lot of research to find the recurring themes because I thought that that could be a lot of fun to have in a sort of game, especially more of a social driven game because those are the RPGs I like to play because I much prefer kind of taking apart a situation and figuring it out as opposed to fighting all the time. True, but somehow we found our way to fight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's on us. No, but I think the, the rules in the system reflect that, even that our actual sense of combat, our one combat move, is something you're supposed to do with words the entire time. So every time you get into a precarious situation, and then finding out either what you roleplay into what you say, choosing which section of precarious situation you choose or deciding first and then trying your best to roll uh playing into your own strengths like you would in high society whether you know you're better at making rumors or scathing observations or making clever remarks that are witty and pithy uh so i think that really displays in the system itself when it comes to the moves and I like that you guys were able to do that with the moves because i was always trying to figure out a way where i could set it to kind of you yep, trying to make it justifiable in the role playing i guess if that makes sense to people who are not me yeah yeah, really. yeah cuz like with the like cuz i did enjoy like when you guys kind of didn't really do your best at something you still kind of managed to make it work with what we had established for your characters I'm sorry, I keep dropping dice. <laughs> not even rolling this episode. Four times. It's all on the floor. Okay, sorry, continue. Used up all our 20s. Roll to keep the review going? <laughs> and Nick, I'm going to need you to use charm for that. <laughs> but as far as the system goes, I think it's fun before you even get into the heart of it. I liked character creation a lot. There's a lot of tools for that. Um, especially if you have no idea what you're going into with your character or just allowing the roles itself to even determine your character, kind of like real life, you know, but being able to choose your rank on a die roll. And then it was, we talked about this before when helping out with the system, it was fun as shit to come up with gender neutral terms for all of the high society and high royalty uh, totally, names yeah. that we usually use. Uh, I was yeah. so excited to be a Duke Laureate that we're just dope. And someone with the rank too, which is good, is that I feel like in uh, even in like traditional like D and D, it's people don't necessarily think about status in their society necessarily. Yeah. So like this, this being such an integral part of you know, Regency in real life, and then in the game as well. It like immediately gets your mind going for like what kind of character you you need to make, um, you know like like I didn't really have much of a character. I like I like the idea of the cad, 
but having rolled like the high nobility, I was like, oh, this is, like completely, you know, now I'm focused on on that, you know, on what it means to be like a prince, you know. So I think that's like a, a really fun character creation tool right out the gate. That was something I kind of thought of a lot in this game, kind of like my, one of my big like, oh, I wonder what would have happened, especially like if someone like Baxter had, say, rolled a six and had to enter the game untitled. Right, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It can still work. <laughs> but. Yeah. You would have just been Benjamin from the get go. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I would have revealed myself to be Baxter. Oh, shit. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, um, what I loved about this system is the playbook concepts, I think, are so perfect. I love to have that really gamified idea of like, oh, you know, all your favorite characters from Jane Austen stuff, each of them can fit into one of these areas. I think it's done perfectly. You know, if I look at the dedicated or I look at the free spirit or whatever, it clearly has in there, oh, this is inspired by these characters from these Jane Austen works. Yeah, and you can be great. and you can take some inspiration from those characters or you cannot. You know, you can see how they differ. I really love that. I think these choices are perfect and they're a good mesh between some of them, like you were saying, do affect like, oh, you could probably only play this class for someone who was this playbook for someone who was upper class and this one is more someone who is not focused on class differences right? right so some of them are like that and it's and some of them are totally different like oh this is about you know you fall in love all the time and i love those because that's how we create characters and we're like oh okay now we're cousins or we're siblings or whatever because it's like you're focused on class but i'm focused on love we have totally different ideas but it doesn't affect the fact that we're actually the same rank this whole time we're mm-hmm. we're family this whole time yeah. you know and i think that those personalities really shine through through the uh playbook concepts really well that was actually my favorite part of putting the playbooks together was trying to like add in the jane austen comparisons because i know there were some that like we didn't talk about but i really like, I made the entire conniving playbook just because I wanted to, like, make something for, like, if somebody wanted to play a Miss Bingley. <laughs> That'd been interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, I love the cad and the conniving are in there as, oh, these are characters who, in, if you just look at the surface of them, they they might typically be antagonists in us uh, in stories, but they don't have to be, mm-hmm. right? And I think... That's why you can use the CADS moves of, like, making up a fake backstory or whatever. Oh, maybe he's just really charismatic. And, like, or maybe he's a storyteller. Like, it doesn't mean he's a villain and lying all the time, you know? Like, Like and then there's the mysterious past move, which is the locked move for the CAD, which lets you take a move from any other playbook. Which is what I use. Which is what I was going to say was, like, my my favorite part of of this system was I think I used... All of the moves, the ones that are like the base set moves, uh, the ball moves, um, the uh, what? What is it when we have like the intense argument? <laughs> What's that called? Precarious situation. Uh, yeah, yeah, the precarious <laughs> situation. My own personal moves. I think I I used and and used them meaningfully like multiple times throughout the system, which isn't always true. I feel like sometimes we play systems where. Um, even if it's like simple, I only use like one of them, one of my moves, um, you know, cause I, I know I'm good at that or like, I know when to use it sort of thing, but there was like so many different situations in this because it was so conversational and so character driven that it wasn't that I, I was able to utilize the whole system. I felt like I played the whole thing. Thank you. 
Thank you for that. And kind of as we've been playing, I've also been kind of making updates to the alpha version. Yeah, I definitely felt like for my moves, they drew me to story a lot, which is exactly what Powered by the Apocalypse is supposed to do, which is great. Like, oh, my main move is Delightful Company. What does that mean? Every move I'm thinking about who's my best friend. Okay, great. So now I'm a character who is obsessed with relationships, right? And I have It's True Love. Who's who's the person that I'm in love with now, too? Yet how often is that going to change? Or is it going to be the same thing over sessions and sessions and sessions? And, you know, someone I'm pining over or whatever, you know? I really felt like my moves were more skewed toward lore than mechanical, which is really fun. Yeah, I definitely wanted to create a lot of different moves so that people could try and make their own characters of it. Like, for example, you played the free spirit, but I wanted to make it so that it's just, oh, this isn't just me pretending to be Lydia Bennett. You can create your own free spirit, as it were. I was like putting spins on stuff. You know, I had ribbon shopping, but instead of shopping for clothing, it was... You know, whenever I'm focused on the crazy stuff that my character would be focused on, which is usually fencing, but sometimes it was looking for, you know, a brooch shaped like a scorpion or whatever. Um, so that I, was, I, really a, I, like, I liked your bird skull barrette. I never forgot about it. That was fine. <laughs> so I think you can turn these on their heads a lot of the time. And it's kind of asking you to do that because it's giving you a couple of examples and challenging you to say, okay, what, what would you do with this? So could you? You know, I, I, I would look at these playbooks and think, ooh, what if I was the dedicated and I was very villainous, right? Like, oh, I'm totally focused on my work. I'm focused on my siblings, but to a point where it becomes conniving. And I think these these playbooks kind of challenge you to do that, to like, wh- what kind of character are you going to pull out of this? I think another aspect of the system itself that also helps you differentiate characters is the secret system. I think that adds a new layer of backstory to your entire character and your adds to different motivations that bar away from these examples that are on the playbooks themselves. And I think the secret system, your scorned self, and the goodwill is just perfectly tied in because the fact that you can't generally or naturally regain goodwill without having a specific move for it adds a really good sense of urgency with your character where i felt like it was a ticking time bomb the entire campaign like which one of us is gonna fuck up rolling the first and like get their secret revealed and then like being able to play this entire different side of the story because of it yeah i knew i wanted to do the secret system from the start just so that i could come up with a way for, at first, me, but also anybody else who ends up running this game as a way to, as a way to kind of have like some kind of a bit of a safety net in terms of stakes, so you don't feel too pressured to add too much drama. Well, and then just tangentially, like the secrets thing is so cool, because I feel like, uh, like, like, I think sometimes when you play, when you Sometimes when you roleplay, you uh, lose sight of, like, NPCs being people in the universe, <laughs> right? But, yeah. like, the secret thing really made us, made us, like, treat each of these people as, like, important pieces yeah. in, like, keys, you know, and, like, and like try to get to know them and understand them. So it was, it was like, a good, like, reminder of, like, mm-hmm. you, you, like it's, you have to talk to people sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, Sarah, Sarah would scold us after certain sessions because we wouldn't talk yeah, like, to you certain didn't NPCs because yeah. we didn't get all of their secrets. Like, we were 100%ing this fucking run of the campaign. Yeah! Like, yeah, it's an no, RPG, right? Got, like, we have to go to that side quest. I think you got almost 
everybody. I think the only people you, I think the, actually, no, I think the only person you didn't get was Alexander. Annabelle. Uh, yeah, I feel like, <laughs> what Annabelle's secrets secret. does she have? <laughs> <laughs> she actually hates the Gardens of Glass. No! So, no. She um, never no Annabelle to be, slander she in the review. <laughs> she hates bugs. <laughs> no, I felt like the, cause the, like the, the key I always say to like role playing and having character in these kinds of stories is always like, what do you want? What are you going to do? Right? So what's your obligation? And the secret gave us a like a built-in mechanical thing at all times to where it was like, okay, yeah, we're going to the ball or we're, we're, we're in the gardens of glass. But every single one of us had a secret other layer to our characters that no one else knew. Yeah. And it felt like Jane Austen in that way to where, oh, you see them having a secret meeting or we even as the audience can, we listen in on a meeting, but we don't know why, why, why does, you know, why does Baxter want to find out about this? so much we don't know yeah. and then it comes up later and it's like that was planned the whole time in such an awesome fashion i want to go back fashion. and listen to some of like the earlier episodes because it's like i yeah like i didn't even i didn't, I didn't know what was going on yeah <laughs> you know with with your guys' characters so like I, I i could sense when we were recording them there was like yeah there's like more to uncover here sort of thing but i wonder what it's like having finished it now what it what it sounds like and it was fun to pull out pull out total surprises from my character like yeah. i got the idea totally from um Rosalina to suddenly attack, you know, Henry and yeah. challenge him to a duel. And it's like, why, why would she do that? The audience doesn't know why. Yeah. You know, it's so sudden. But then slowly we learn I was searching for my father. I thought that his father was my father and he killed him. It was like this really complicated thing, you know. Nope. <laughs> I feel like we did a good story. I mean, Sarah did a good story, for sure. Yeah, we'll get shipped over to that. To get, about to get, the together, of glass itself. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. I think that's another thing I wanted to say is. A lot of the techniques that you use for the storytelling in here should be in the game. Like, okay. You you made it. F- this is the first game that I've ever played. Literally the first RPG I've ever played where I felt like, oh, okay. Here's the list of all the possible love interests that I can have. Who would my character go with? What's going to happen in this story? Like you had a really systemic, like in a good way. You had a great system of how the romance was going to happen here Sometimes and how the conflict was going to affect like that romance. Make a dating sim. <laughs> Yeah. So I wonder yeah, if you really can gamify sim. that. Yeah, the dating sim stuff and put that in this book as well. That would be awesome I for agree, any GM honestly, playing. Just, just as like a suggestion, honestly, like, but like having it written down for people would be cool because because Jane Austen stuff a lot of time is <laughs> is like a dating sim. Yeah, um, yeah. That's why I didn't talk to as many NPCs because like. You guys know I'm all about fucking monster prom. Once I'm on the route, I'm on the route. I'm trying yeah. to get that secret right. ending. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like once I settled on Perdita, I was like, I don't need to talk to fucking Alex. Fuck Alexander. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, yeah. If we're, if we're going into story, yeah. Um, I yeah, I really liked how everything unfolded in this. Um, I was, um, I liked how. Sarah like set up set us up from the beginning with this idea of like the ball and like coupling and stuff because mm-hmm. in my in my like backstory for Baxter I was, I was like you know a very distant sort of gloomy figure kind of cad but then like when immediately being ushered into like this environment I was like oh no 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 there's like there's like a a track we have to go on um you know but but not in like a bad way I didn't, I didn't feel necessarily feel pushed or anything um <laughs> but it was. It was like immediately like engaging, um, and uh, I liked 
I really liked uh, Marcus and I's relationship. That we did, that was really fun. Yeah. Throughout the the whole thing of like being like like the fun like sort of eccentric cousins and then like being split apart in dramatic fashion and the drama oh the, the drama yeah. it, was so, it was so much fun to do um and then like the, the romance all of it yeah. for me kind of writing out the story kind of the big turnaround came i think when baxter met annabelle oh really well she- <laughs> no because like i don't i just noticed a huge change like i was really expecting you to go like okay i don't care about this like lowborn child but no, you kind of like went out of your way to be nice to her, and I, I legitimately thought that you were going to go for James for a minute, and I too. Like, had like ideas written down for how I could write like this Hallmark style story where it's like brooding, brooding former soldier meets a single dad <laughs> gardening single dad. I think I also was thinking about it too, but uh, I, I, I'm okay with where we landed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I oh, agree yeah, with. No. That the the play date between Annabelle and Baxter was a turning point too, because prior to that, I was like, Nick's playing this guy very broodingly. Like, what the fuck am I supposed to be doing as the brooding playbook? And then, like, I had to shift over because I was like, I don't want to be playing the same character as Nick. So, like, in the beginning, like, Henri is very, very simping and very nice to everyone. And then, like, after that, I was like, oh, Nick does have a character, like, a nice side under there so i can start being more of like a curt asshole when it comes to things yeah yeah there was there was there was there's layers to both of us that was yeah. cool because because it, it was like i was putting on a show of being like broody nobility or whatever but yeah. it like turns out that benjamin is just like a nice guy yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, he can't, and he can't he can't play that yeah, you can have a beer with benjamin you know but baxter yeah <laughs> Although- you, gotta, you gotta wait till cigar time yeah. to with with that, Dennis, thank you so much for giving me the net to play around with. I still don't understand it. What is that? I still don't. <laughs> I love her, but I don't understand. To go into the full, like, actual what I sent Sarah for the secret. So Henri was in the War of 1812. We lost that one being on the French side. Yeah. Uh, right. So then I was a prisoner of war. And as a cruel joke, I was assigned to marry Nanette, which would forfeit over all of my land and titles to her. But being the the conniving bitch she is, I was like, hey, if I find you someone better to me, will you call this off so I can, like, keep my shit or just, like, not marry you? Because it's obvious we both hate each other. So the entire reason for bringing Nanette was for her to go to the Gardens of Glass to find someone else to marry, really. And then I just happened to find someone to love. Gotcha. Yep. Wow. I mean, you did sense. manage I... to do something. <laughs> I don't think that. To get Nanette to move on. That was such a great, like, minor antagonist that you love to hate. <laughs> and then sometimes you kind of love because, like, your story is so interesting. Like, that was really great. I did feel I did feel a little bad because you guys were like, yes, we finally got Nanette off our tails. We ponder off on to Henry. But I had just have my notes. It's like, no, 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 no. Not if, she, if Duchess Thornbell is still whispering in her ear that she can have Rowan, she's never going to go for that. <laughs> and there was always like a little seed I wanted to plant that like maybe Henri does enjoy Nanette to a little degree and that if like everything fell through, he would be fine with it. But every time I would throw that seed out, Sarah would play Nanette so fucking annoyingly that I'd be like, fuck this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> fuck this bitch. Not again. Fate was sealed. <laughs> 
And then that's what I was supposed to do. <laughs> that was fine. Because as soon as you sent me to net, I very much had like the idea of that. That helped you out a lot. It's like, okay, Nanette's going to be really good. She'll be a really kind of fun, fun kind of minion or henchwoman for Duchess Thornbell. <laughs> yeah. And then it's also like it even added more to the stakes for me is that like, I don't have to reveal my secret at all. Even if I roll poorly, like I have a whole nother NPC that knows all of my shit. And, like, if I piss her off at all, can divulge all of these secrets. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would wanted to say that I think my my uh, favorite part of the, the campaign, though, was um, when James got taken. And there's the thunderstorm. There was all these events right after, right after the other. It was like, thunderstorm, my identity was revealed, James got taken, and I was like, I'm gonna go find him. It was like... The whole, the whole, the whole story like went off the rails. Real, it was, it was so much fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that one I set up because I knew that I kind of had to. All right, we got to ramp up. We got to because it, it was quickly turning out like because I, I honestly was not expecting anybody's secret to get revealed at the at the first fall. <laughs> but if it weren't for Nick and I being on site at that point, that that moment was so it's, very it good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think I. I but think, I, uh, I kind of had to quickly like figure out. It's like, okay, where do I go from here? Because <laughs> we have quickly ramped up to some sort of climax. So I had to put together a story <laughs> that would allow Rose and Lena to fight. That would allow Baxter to calm down. Well, and then the nature of the secret just sent you know my character reeling. So it, like yeah, had this cool. ripples through the storyline of like this. Huge new inciting incident, or like you know, it was nice playing, midpoint twist. It was nice playing a campaign where like uh, people's uh, drama wasn't wasn't purely personal. Because I feel like you play like campaigns sometimes where it's like, yeah, like oh yeah, like my whole storyline is I'm going after blah blah blah. But like you 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 as another player don't necessarily interact with that person. But it's like this yeah. like affected everybody else. You know, like every choice we made really. You know, like the romance options, the yeah. the, the fighting, <laughs> the carry situations. You know? Yeah, no. So, are there any things that you guys would like to see in the in a, in a, in the upcoming beta versions? So I did have one thing that I was telling Nick. So when we had a bunch of precarious situations at the end, I felt like it was tough for me because I had to. Well, because of the nature that we played it, if I was like, okay, I I, I can do insidious rumor, scathing observation, clever remark. All right. What can I choose? But then I had to literally, like, if I wanted to do a clever mark, I had, as Marcus, had to think of one. You know, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And then, like, oh, okay, once you thought of one, now you can use your character's skills. You know what I mean? It's like... Well, you were saying, like, it, like if this was a normal uh, combat situation, it'd be like, you would punch if you were, like, a strength-based character. Yeah. You would, you would use a knife if you were, like, a dexterity-based character or something. But, like, this... Is harder because you're like you want to use the stat you're good in because mm-hmm. your character would because your because your character would right yeah so it's but so like is it good that you're that you have to think of one or or <laughs> or like or like can you just like declare the thing I was I was first? I was I was honestly expecting you guys to declare air oh. every now you know, and like, then like I'm using a clever yeah. mark you know because you want to use that stat I don't know. yeah. Like, but I, I but I like that you had to, I like the randomness yeah, of it though. Like yeah. it was like you, like you say something that fits it within the conversation and context of the story. Mm-hmm. 
you had, before you can do the move, you had to apply the lore first, kind of, right? right. Of like, like you doing the move. That is interesting. <laughs> it was tough. It made it really tough because it was like, you know, I'm using Marcus's skills instead of Rosalina's skills. You know? <laughs> it was like, yeah, it was yeah. hard. But it was, it was super fun. I think the precarious situation system is really, really cool. I think, um, I kind of wonder, I wonder if there's more, because the, okay, your, your onus on this of, oh, there's social situations where it's just as embarrassing as if you are fighting a battle, right? So like, it's, mm-hmm. it's a social situation that's modeled after, modeled after battles. That's awesome. I wonder if there's more ways we can take this even, because like, what other like huge, over like melodramatic conflicts happen in Jane Austen stuff, you know, that's like a battle, but it's, or to that level of high stakes, but it's not a battle. I wonder if there's more ways we can use that. I don't know if there are, there was, you know, there was something I considered doing early on because I realized that the know where you stand move wasn't really helpful for this story. And I realized I could probably just combine some of the questions in Know Where You Stand into Study a Situation. And yeah, sort that's going to be my note, actually. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, turn, and turn the insight stat into, like, a physical stat. Physical, like... Or just get rid of in, it like, altogether and just, have, and just have keep your composure still be that catch-all move. Yeah. Well, I like to, having a separate move or whatever, but, yeah, I just think that Study a Situation and Know Where You Stand are, like, Fairly similar, yeah. Fairly similar, mm-hmm. in that, that they could probably could just be combined. Yeah, I was planning on combining them. Yeah, and then maybe there could be another move that's like act in a precarious situation because I feel like this system of turn this social interaction of literally just two people talking into such a high stakes event that it's similar to like a battle system in other games is awesome. Mm-hmm. So I wonder what other situations where are you in where it's like oh this is just as like maybe oh like maybe um like a precarious situation but you're not attacking each other maybe it's like like when um <laughs> darcy and like lizzie are like in the rain and they're like trying to, to confess say that, right yeah, exactly yeah. like they're trying to confess their feelings to each other Ooh, charged, but they can't you know a charged moment yeah a charged moment where yeah it could work as well as like when you're trying to win someone over with an npc and it's like a back mm-hmm. and forth track. And you're fighting your own flaws and your own like, mentality. You start on right? the middle ground, you both roll opposed to each other. Whoever wins makes a little more headway in their argument. And then whoever like fully takes it over, like has to have the other person like concede to it. Like that that argument in that reign where they're arguing for their yeah. love and they're arguing against yeah. it. And then, you know, Darcy kind of wins in the end. So you like, as a player playing as Lizzie, you'd be like, all right, then I feel more affectionate with Darcy. Like, I'll take a string with him, you know? Stuff like that. Yes. Yeah, because yeah. I didn't really have, like, anything similar to the string system in this. But I do yeah. like that idea of just kind of having it be that kind of rolling off with uh, certain stats. Funnily enough, when you mentioned the rain thing, that's what gave me the idea for uh, the brooding that would allow them to act in a precarious situation, but only keeping their composure. <laughs> yeah. No, I think uh, strings might also help out for the secrets as well. Okay. Because it'll, it'll help you keep track of everything as well. Even if it doesn't have to be the physical, yeah, totally. like, this is our relationship, but it's like, hey, you figured out a clue, here's a string against this person. I think the uh, charge situation is a good idea for balls as well, because... 
my first, I think when you when you showed us the ball moves, most of them I feel like are about precarious situations. Yeah. And my thought was like, oh, okay, so it's going to be, the ball is like a climactic moment, but is it always going to be a moment when we're like fighting? I feel like there's also just like moments of, of spending time together and like dancing even, right? Like dance sequences even, right? So like, I don't know if balls are always like, I don't want to say violent, but like, you know, like antagonistic. So I, I, so I feel like the charge situation would be cool for balls as well, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like especially if it's like a romanceable situation, yeah, the charts moment instead of precarious situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Now that you guys have mentioned that, I am gonna try and do some, play around with some ideas of either uh, adjusting the precarious situation or overhauling it entirely to kind of that more kind of roll off system. Um, I love it as is. I think it's great to battle with your wits. I think that is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a totally different way to play. Honestly. <laughs> um, I, I had an idea, but I don't. I don't. It's not fully fleshed out or anything. But um, there's so much influence of family in the Jane Austen stuff, and especially like in our campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering, like, if there's like some kind of way to like utilize that more. Um, I have. You know, a, I have a lot of that in the character histories. Like mm-hmm. in, in every playbook in the character histories, there is there are at least one or two options that allow you to designate someone as family. Yeah, well, I, I guess I mean like the like the characters' family. Like, is there like could oh. that be like a way you could draw on goodwill somehow? Yeah. Or um, you know, because like I feel like in Jane Austen novels, there's always like somebody like wiring home for more money, you know, or like, <laughs> you know, yeah. or, or um, you know, like being told not to do something because of their family situation or. Um, you know, th- these are things that are m- maybe better left to story, but like, I'm wondering like if it might be a fun yeah. way to gain stats somehow, or like, uh, like buffs, <laughs> even <laughs> <laughs> if you're like able to like rely on your family in some way. Mm-hmm. Like if something, if, if like your, your little sister does something that's perceived as, you know, indecorous. Mm-hmm. It could mm-hmm. badly reflect on you, or if it's like if something bad happens to her, that could hurt you too. Like, so yeah, your like, character is upset yeah. about it, but yeah. you as a player is if like it, now you're. If in a it was like a place. once a game, once in like a campaign kind of thing, yeah. that you could like you know like yeah, just roll like a, a die, a deck and, like, of many different options in which you yeah, draw. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. like, that would be cool. Oh, your yeah. mother has the sickness. Like you lose a good like, will, yeah. or you like exactly yeah. something. Yeah. I was, that, that might be fun. I was playing around with that because I did. I currently am working out an idea of some little moves for the GM to kind of help come up with story beats. Yeah. Set to set to dice rolls. That'd be cool. That'd be great. And then the dedicated could have a move that's like that lowers the impact of that, basically, because oh, yeah, they're yeah. good at like helping their family, right, and like figuring these things out. Taking care of you know the family members. Yeah, because the way I have it set up right now for like general event ideas is rolling a d six and then choosing one of the two options. So, like for example, if you roll a four for events, it would be a familial celebration or a familial tragedy occurs. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. see, that's yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. So I may set up a separate one of those for uh, family interactions. Mm-hmm. I love that because I think a major theme in Jane Austen is always like the limitations put on people by their class or by their mm-hmm. society that they live in, right? Mm-hmm. So having these sudden things come up of like, oh my gosh, now everything's on its head. I have to, well, how am I going to deal with this? Um, is, is really an important decision people are going to have to make. 
And then one thing I wanted to ask you guys about, did you guys like the acts of desperation? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, again, like, it's just, it's a nice, um, character beat, you know, like, it completely changes, like, what you have to, <laughs> like, who your character is, like, perceived to be, or, like, how you perceive your character, you know? Yeah, what you're willing to give up to make sure a roll get, is good, especially when you have a finite amount of health in your resource pool. Uh, it's, yeah, it's sure. like a really, it's a, a, a double-edged knife kind of situation okay. uh, that I, I really enjoyed. Yeah, because like there was like that moment where like Dennis, and I like I like went up against Dennis in a precarious situation, knowing that I had like lost a lot of my goodwill. <laughs> yeah, no, I think <laughs> so it was like, like I was like I think you went with like maybe half or less. It was I, I was down like four. So oh yeah, no, so yeah, you only was... had half your good. You were going in half at half your goodwill. <laughs> and then um, I'm trying, I'm should trying. I have other ways to reset your maximum as opposed to getting engaged? Uh, maybe more ways to like heal. I'd- I wasn't sure what. Yeah, healing was kind of a, kind of a, like, not a problem, but it was like I was like it was tricky. Like I I didn't know how we were gonna do it. No healing. No healing. Yeah, it is good, but it like just slowly goes down, and it's your yeah. kind of standing in society is changing. Probably after you've recovered your score itself, it may not like go back to the same prestige it 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 yeah. was before. But I feel like your health resource should reset in a way. Yeah, so it's when not you the same from- goodwill, but like who you are as this new person would eventually regain themselves, especially after you've healed off your scorned self. And then with the with the scorned self, I was probably going to kind of change some things of that, as opposed to just having it be it happens when you run out of goodwill, because I felt like that kind of sounded too much like what we did with Monster Hearts. Mm. So I kind of wanted to make it more of its own thing. Hmm. Hmm. So I think it might just be like a what I was considering because it would because it's already set up with if you pro, I had it be if you propose to someone and are rejected. So I was considering it just be if you're rejected, you have to roll plus composure to avoid becoming your scorned self. I mean that sounds fine. Yeah, yeah. And then also if you add stuff like the the strings, you could probably add a move where you try to figure out someone's secret. By spending mm-hmm. those strings as, like, a one-time resource. And then that could, like, if someone else, like, just figures out your secret through that role, they become their scorned self because someone else knows that without, like, having to reveal it to the, the other players at large. Yeah, because that was one thing I wanted to do for the scorned self, is just, like, for kind of, like, romantic and just in general. Like, if you try to initiate a relationship with someone and either you are rejected or someone re- like if somebody rejects you or you try yeah actually i think i'm just repeating myself over and over there is no two-way street on that (laughs) all right was there anything else i think that's everything only other thing i could think of was i kind of wanted to um i wanted to invite everybody to everly hall (laughs) and host the ball (laughs) but i don't know that that needs to be a mechanical thing i thought like maybe maybe there could be a list of things to where oh i'll get to goodwill if I offer to host a ball at my estate or if I, you know, give someone my carriage or something like that. But maybe that's too tied with like it's too rank. Tied with rank. And, yeah, because yeah. so you wouldn't have that. I was options. I mean, yeah. I guess you could have like a lower rank. So like you have a f- nice dinner at their house or something. You know? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know. It would just be cool to like have people. I was thinking like have people's like family situations or like living situations. Like maybe your work 
like a mechanical way to incorporate it with other players, like a reason for you to do that. It'll give you points. I don't know. But. Yeah, I'll. I have that. I, I've 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 written that down. So I'll try and see if I can kind of play around with that because I do like the idea of kind of having to figure out your rank, your rank in any particular like lands that may give you. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know, not, not anything specific. Yeah, but it was super fun. I love the system, and I, I I'm excited. I don't know why we haven't had an opportunity. I don't I, I don't know why this hasn't been done. Basically, is what I'm saying. Like <laughs> this is awesome. I'm so glad we did this. This is great. Yeah, I don't. I was trying to think of stuff I, you know, would would change like story wise, but uh, you know, I I think it. I re- I really enjoyed how it how it turned out. Um, and it was like some of like the the, the most engaging role playing that we've done in a while. So that was that was fun. Thank you very much. Actually, it does really mean a lot that I was able to make this for you guys and with you guys. As it has been a lot of fun to run this for you all. Alright, so what would we nonsensically rate these, uh, the system out of 10? I'm biased, uh, so yes. I can't give a rating. Um, I would give it 10 Add Lightning, Dennis! <laughs> <laughs> I am going to give it 812 wars out of 10. <laughs> You're missing a thousand of them. <laughs> uh, 1812 wars. <laughs> I would give this system, it is a truth universally acknowledged that three single simps in possession of a good system must be in want of a waifu. Out of ten. (laughs) That was beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) It was Austin. (laughs) Oh, shit, a reading? Nice. (laughs) Alright, thank you uh, for listening to our reviews. Variables uh, test complete. And maybe we'll play the beta test here soon. Ooh. I mean, I wouldn't say no to that idea. <laughs> but the question is, who's the beta? And who's the test? <laughs> Good night, variables! Sleep tight. Good night. LGBTQIA Actual Play Podcast Network.